The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number... We're in the 230s. We are. (laughs) And uh, who better to talk about uh, their life than us trying to explain uh, who uh, Lena Haley is. But uh, Lena Haley, how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad you said yes to this because we... (laughs) I always feel like I have a story like, oh, remember back in the day when we hung out? But like we went to, to school together, you and I went to Nate. Yeah. Just 10 yep. years ago. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's not an accurate. That's a lie, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. A lot has happened in those <clears throat> 10 years. Lena, we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? I am a woman that is passionate about, um, families being sustainable and thriving Hmm. and that manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, in the intentionality that I have with my own, um, my marriage and my relationships with my children. And then it filters all the way through into the work that I do. I run a charity for single moms in the Edmonton area. And that is who I am. I'm a woman who is deeply passionate about helping families to be sustainable and thriving. And I am deeply committed to my faith and believe that without God, I could not do any of the things that I do and that life would be so boring. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Well, Edmonton, you say is where you are right now. Is that where you grew up? So I grew up actually on a farm just North of Edmonton, um, out in the country, beside a little tiny town called Bonacord. Um, so I grew up in that area and I was never a farm girl. I was always destined to move to the city. <laughs> so as soon as life afforded me the opportunity to move to Edmonton and to go to Nate, I jumped at it. So grew up on the farm, but I am not a farm girl at heart. Did you always have this faith? I would say probably yes, actually. Like I don't I don't remember not believing in God. I don't ever, I don't remember that being a part of my existence. I think I grew up always believing that God was there and that he loved me. Um, you know, I had, there was like a, what was the, it was called like the Jesus first club at, at our little elementary school that would meet after school hours. And I do remember having that moment where, you know, they asked if anybody wanted to accept Jesus into the heart. So I do actually remember having that moment. I was probably in about grade two. But, um, you know, I think it, it is a moment set in time against a whole backdrop of just always believing that God existed. Now, my relationship with God has definitely um, not been such a straight line. So while I believed always that God existed, I think I came to a realization at some point in my life that um, that I believed that God was either mostly mad or mostly sad and particularly at me. So I really felt like I was always messing up and that sort of manifested itself actually in the opposite. It manifested itself in, in perfectionism and wanting to always lead a life that was viewed as being perfect. And, you know, that's a, that's a burden to carry. And it wasn't until my thirties when I was like, wow, maybe, maybe this isn't the truth. So, you know, growing up, I always believed in God. I went to a private Christian school, uh, really legalistic, actually Christian school. So I think a lot of my mostly mad, mostly sad God that came from there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, you know, just lived a life of such rigor and rules and restrictions, right? Everything was just, my life was viewed through the lens of don't. It was never viewed through the lens of do. That brought me to a really interesting place in my life when I found myself pregnant at 16. That was not a situation that I really ever saw for myself. So, you know, you talk about a why me moment. I mean, that was definitely one for me, right? Where it was like, here I was 16. I had lived this, you know, outwardly perfect life. You know, I didn't drink. I didn't swear. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. I didn't, 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 didn't. And then I did, you know, growing up in a tiny town, that was, that was quite the kerfuffle as you can imagine. Right. Um, My parents were, you know, in our, in our farming community, they were very respected, uh, great people. And for, for them to have a daughter at 16, who was going to be a mama, that was, that was really something that our whole family had to work through. What was that moment like when you found out and had to tell your parents? Oh yeah, that was, you know, that was really hard, I guess in some ways. So I was really close to my mom when I thought that I might be pregnant. You know, I started that conversation with her pretty early. So she knew and you know, I look back now and I just think, man, what a rock star she was because, you know, now that I am a mom and I've had, you know, a child go through the age of 16, you know, Austin is 24 now. And she really took that in stride. I mean, she, she had to have been falling apart inside, but she was really strong for me as we navigated that telling my dad, that was a whole different, that was a whole different situation. And also telling my siblings, I was the oldest of four and, you know, I had little brothers and sisters. So, you know, you can imagine that this caused like quite a fracture in our home, really close to my mom, not really close to my dad. So my dad took it really hard. And then we had little kids in the house that also had to manage. I mean, there's just a lot of managing, right? My mom trying to manage me and trying to manage my dad and, and then trying to manage all the feelings that are, that are going on in our house. It was really hard. When it came to that time of your life and your relationship with God, did you still feel like you're making him mad or sad or did, was there a shift in that moment? No, 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 no shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe even a double down, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, wow. Now he's re now I really made him angry. Um, and so I think that what happened as a result of that is, you know, my, my conviction that the life that I was carrying deserved life, you know, that, you know, for me, having an abortion was never even an, an, an idea that I entertained. Hmm. Um, so I knew that I would have the baby. I just didn't know whether I would keep him or whether I would give him up. And, you know, so that was a, that was a journey and a process that I, that I went on. And, and then I think what happened is I decided that I would keep that baby, that that was the choice. That was the right choice for me. I always knew I wanted to have kids. I loved kids. I had little brothers and sisters. I mean, I was very nurturing by nature. So, um, had Austin. And then I think really, I just decided that I would just put God on a shelf. I always believed I didn't, I, I didn't ever think that God wasn't there or that, that he didn't exist, but I just wasn't sure that I knew how to have a relationship with him from this place of, you know, I could label it now as a place of shame. I wouldn't have had that language then. I wouldn't have understood that then, but it was this weird spot for me because on the one hand, this wasn't a life that I had expected for myself. And I knew that this was outside of what, you know, the Bible told me that God wanted for me. But on the other hand, I had this little boy that I was fiercely devoted to. And that was my entire world. And so 
trying to square that idea was really hard. And I didn't know how to do it for a long time. But I'm grateful for God's unending grace and his ability to walk me through that. Being a single mom is difficult. Being a single mom 25 years ago, I can imagine is even more difficult than it would be now. How did you navigate that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being a single mom was really hard. Um, also really rewarding. You know, it definitely presented day-to-day struggles and you're right. 25 years ago, that was a whole different thing, particularly again, in that really insular, tiny community that I, that I mm-hmm. was from. And, you know, in my high school, like everybody knew who I was, everybody wanted to touch my belly, right? Like it was, <laughs> I was like an anomaly, right? So it was definitely challenging, but you know, the one thing, actually a number of things, you know, made it easier. So, you know, my family adored him and I had just a really great support network. Um, it wasn't perfect. But I always knew that if I was in a pinch, I had somebody who would take him. There was lots of arms that wanted that baby. And, you know, when I was going to post-secondary and when he was going to daycare, um, you know, I got, I got government subsidy for him to be able to go to childcare. And as part of that, you actually have to have your child in care a certain number of hours per month. And my grandparents would stop by and pick him up. And my mom would stop by and pick him up. And, and we struggled to get that hundred hours in every month. You know, he was, <laughs> he was so deeply loved. Um, and I, I moved out um, on my own and I lived with two roommates. And, you know, I look back now and I realize what a enormous impact those two teenage girls had on my world because, you know, they didn't probably know that they were changing my whole life, changing my future, but they absolutely were being surrounded by two girls who just, you know, another pair of arms, right? Somebody to say, when I walked through the door at the end of the day, Hey, how are you doing here? Let me grab Austin while you go grab a shower or, Oh, you've got a test coming up. Let me help, you know, let me take him to McDonald's and play in the, in the playland or whatever, just having people that cared so deeply about us made all the difference in the world. I wasn't by myself. I didn't have to do life alone. And that is one of the the key central ideas in uh, the charity that I run is the Cleo Collective. It is about single moms not having to do life alone. So the hard stuff I had to do by myself. I had to get up in the middle of the night. I had to, you know, juggle schedules and childcare. There are parts of life that are hard that you do have to walk through on your own. You do have to take the physical steps, but going by yourself that doesn't have to be a part of any woman's journey. I don't believe that. So I didn't have to walk the hard road by myself and either do the women that come into Kaleo Collective. They don't have to do it by themselves. That's optional. Mm -hmm. So there you are. You are a team mom. You're living your life. You've got some incredible support. Um, I'm curious about the whole idea of the perfectionism because I think a lot of women, especially growing up in some of those more legalistic church circles, you feel like it to be a certain way, a certain way. Now this happens. How did you redefine yourself to be able to move on and to heal? You know, when I was, I would say it was probably really in my early thirties, you know, I was being mentored by a beautiful, beautiful husband and wife. And they were actually, um, 
you know, the big parts of my world even still today. And at one point they said, have you ever done listening prayer? And I was like, what in the world? No, like <laughs> lots of prayer, but it's like one way. Right. And so they started teaching me about just trying to hear what God actually was able to speak to me or wanted to, right. Wanted to communicate. And, you know, sometimes that was internally, you know, it would be something that I would kind of hear or, or it would be something that I would just feel something that would pop into my mind unexpectedly and just being okay with following that, not necessarily questioning it all the time, but just kind of going with it. And so I started to write down these things and I started to journal and I'd ask God questions and I would just write whatever came into my head without judgment, because it was just mine, just my journal. Right. And it was amazing to see the number of ways that God would start to confirm things that I thought I was crazy for, for hearing or thinking or believing. And, and that, that was really where my journey of like trying to dismantle this wall that I had built of perfectionism in my life. It started with being able to hear God's voice and reading the Bible was just not something that I enjoyed. I found it hard, challenging, stagnant. Um, but when the door unlocked to understanding that God was trying to communicate with me all the time and that I could be a willing and active participant in that really started to change things in my world really rapidly. And nothing was ever the same when I started to, to learn that I could hear God's voice. And it is like an insatiable desire. Like I just, I keep, you know, I journal once or twice every day, start my day every day with my journal. And I, I'm always just enthralled by the way that God will bring people into my world to, to, you know, validate the things that he's saying to me or, or, or in the inverse people, the, I always call it God turning up the volume. And so the volume will start to get louder and then God will start to speak to me about, you know, this process. And that's really where the undoing the perfectionism has, has come from. It is coming from a place of understanding deeply and truly um, at the center of me that I am just loved that I am valuable just for who I am. And that if I could never do another thing in my entire life, if something happened and I was confined to a bed for the rest of my life, if I couldn't even communicate that my value and my intrinsic worth and who God says I am and how he feels about me would not change one iota. That's, that's when I was able to start to understand that I didn't have to be perfect all the time. And that actually God takes care of that. He's got the perfection covered. So the rest of us don't even need to worry about it. So you're going through all of this. What about dating as a single mom? The world was like a very different place for me because there wasn't social media. Yeah. Online dating was still considered like super skeevy. Yeah, right. It wasn't, it was like, <laughs> right. Like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't like a socially accepted thing. Yeah. Um, it was still really like creepy and gross. Um, <laughs> so for me, and also I like Austin was the center of my world. And so I never stopped talking about him. People always knew about Austin. It was back in the day when you carried like a photo in your wallet because you didn't just have a smartphone to be like, here's my baby or here's my toddler. or Here's my six-year-old. So, you know, I think if people were ever interested, if guys were ever like kind of interested in me and they found out that I had Austin and then all of a sudden they weren't interested in me, I never really knew. I never really lived that. Because I put it out there so early in the game, right? That it was like, if this is a, if this is a no fly zone for you, well, then I'm a no fly zone for you because 
you know? So dating wasn't very hard for me. I was young, right? I was 16, 17, 18. I met my husband. Um, I would have been 20 when I met Jeff and that was it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and I, he's actually working in my office today and he's like, and that was it. So like, my dating <laughs> career was pretty short. I think like had Austin at 16, um, you know, continue to have involvement with his father for about a year. Um, you know, romantically, we, we're still in touch we're, we, st- we get along really great, which is amazing. We have a good, mm. really great, um, you know, parenting relationship together. It was just that Cody and I were seven, 16 and 17 when we had Austin. And by the time we were 17 and 18, we weren't, we weren't dating, but we were still, you know, functioning together. So, and then I met Jeff when I was 20, like I only had a handful of boyfriends in between, so my, my experience is really different than most of them, which is why our community is really important because my, my single parenting experience is extremely narrow and it's very different than most of the women that I work with. So they help each other, you know, and we also have a social worker who's incredible at knowing different resources and psychologists and all of that. So it's a, it's a different world out there dating now. Let me tell you. And they share very freely about it. And <laughs> I'm very happy. That so I'm you, you met him at 20. Where, where did you meet him at? Was it a church or was it singles night? No, nothing. No, we actually met at work. Yeah, we met at, we met at work and, um, and he was not a Christian actually when we started dating and I was still in my like God on the shelf time of my life. Here he is. (laughs) We're hoping you're going to make an appearance. There's uh, people cleaning our house today. And he was like, can I just like come work in your office? Cause I don't want to be there when they're cleaning the house. So, so here he is. Um, so yeah, we did. So Jeff and I, not Jeff, not a Christian, me like Christian light. I think I would call it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Christian light, Christian light, you know, yeah, and, yeah. but, um, in my, in my home growing up, my mom was a Christian. My dad wasn't. Mm. And I, lived through seeing what that was like. And I wasn't interested in that. I knew that I was like, "Mm -mm, this is not something that I want. So when Jeff and I started to get kind of serious, I had kind of just started going back to church with Austin. Um, mostly again, because of my like perfectionism, I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good mom. Watch me, (laughs) look at me, feed him, dress him, love him and take him to church. So I had started kind of going back to church. Jeff and I were dating and I was, you know, he was like, I think maybe we should get married. And I was like, Oh, hold the phone. Can't do that. You don't, you don't share my faith. And even though my faith, and I could imagine only his eyebrows shooting up and being like your faith, we don't share that. Okay. We share everything else. Mm -hmm. And, um, So I met with the pastor. I also knew enough to know that I wasn't going to be the one to do that faith journey with him. I I didn't want any part of that, which is wisdom. So I sicked him on my pastor and I was like, here you go. Here's a guy who's like, not necessarily into this, but not opposed. He wasn't opposed to it. So, um, yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, my option was like, I could go to church or we would stop dating. So, so he went to church, but <laughs> he found his own faith apart from me. That's you have to, like, you that, have to, you have to, but well, you, know. you did, you had to, Yeah, if you wanted to marry me. 
Dating Evangelism 101. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and you know, it was funny because like she saved me. Quiet. <laughs> What's funny is that so gr- growing up in this like really legalistic Christian church, like evolution was never something that you even entertained. Like, yeah, that was just mm. as easy as like online dating. Right. You never, we didn't, we didn't talk evolution. That just didn't, that just, that wasn't a part of God snapping his fingers, you know? Um, and so then I started dating Jeff and he's just like, well, I'm not sure about like, I'm not sure about that. Like I believe in evolution. I think, I think I believe in evolution. And, and there was like some I other things. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, the fossil record. So Anyways. our pastor found him as a theology student, right? That's what mm-hmm. he was. He was a theology student that basically had that super analytic questioning, inquisitive mind like Jeff, which I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I know you're laughing, but I just, I didn't. And I kind of still don't. That's just not how me and God operate. Okay. Um, I just, believed, you know, what I was told to believe. And I didn't really question it. And to me, it wasn't a, it wasn't like a black or white. It, it was the gray. It was the gray. It's like, do you believe in Jesus? Yes or no. That's the part that I'm most hung up on. And so our pastor found him like the right person to help answer his questions and, and doing so from a place of, you know, solid training. Right. He was, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you guys get married and you're, you're with child. Uh, you, you don't well, have any. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I was like, I yeah, wasn't you with child. With child. <laughs> you, had, you had a child, you had a child with you. There was, there was you only the one child. So was it an awkward conversation about, uh, did you want to have more kids? Did you guys, how was that conversation with you guys about, Hey, by the way, now we're married more kids question mark. Oh, that came before we got married for sure. It was, I only had one. I only had one stipulation. So I said, I will do more kids if you want. I'm good with one. I was good with Austin. So if Jeff was like, I don't want more kids, that would have been okay for me. But my rule was either two or none. Um, You know, we got married, Austin was eight. And so Austin, for all intents and purposes, had really grown up as an only child. We had our daughter when he was 10, but, you know, those real formative years, Austin was an only, that's how he would be considered. And I grew up with a family of, you know, with four kids. And so I wanted, if we were going to have more children, I wanted them to have siblings that would be close in age. So Jeff was like, oh yes, I want children. So at least two, that's where we. There was also no incentive to wait, right? If we were going to have kids, you know, having them at an age when Austin was younger rather than older just made sense so that we could sort of, we already had sort of an elongated parenting journey in front of us. And so At what point did you then realize, or was it put on your heart that you wanted to start the Cleo Collective, which I mean, as Holly pointed out before we started this interview, uh, a biblical word, uh, obviously something of uh, of importance. Why did you then start this? Yeah. So Cleo has actually been part of, you know, a journey too, right? It is, it's a, it has really, really evolved from where God and I started this journey. So I guess to understand where we're at today, we have to go back a little bit. So um, at this time when I'm starting to hear God's voice, I'm really starting to, you know, understand how to hear him and how he's speaking to me and communicating. I started to have a bit of a complicated relationship with church Mm. and don't think that I'm alone in that. Lots of people 
at some point have a complicated relationship with the institution of church. And it just started to really break my heart to think that, you know, while I felt very comfortable in church, that there was a large portion of the population that didn't and that they wouldn't go. And my heart started breaking for people that were hurting, that were desperately in need of God's love and his, and his touch and his, you know, that love really, um, his acceptance. And if they wouldn't go to church, where would they go? And so I just decided to start hold to start hosting a monthly prayer night. So Kaleo means to invite. That's that's essentially it's all about God's love. It's about his invitation. And so we started running uh, a prayer night in the community where nobody had to, you know, there was no there was no basket being passed. There was no agreement that they would ascribe to the same set of views that I have about God, or there was no discussion about, you know, whether it was okay to be gay or whether, you know, the Holy spirit still moved. I mean, there was just none of some of the constructs around church that can be really um, hard to navigate. And they didn't, there was no, they didn't have to come every week. They could just come experience God in whatever manner that was. And then they could go. And so after doing that for a full year, it was really incredible to see the the things that happened in that, in that year of doing that. Um, my mom said to me, you know, she, she would come and she would do the Cleo prayer with me every month. And at the one year anniversary, she said, man, it's really close to mother's day. Let's do something cool for single moms. So at that point I had not been a single mom for a long time. Happily married, two more kids. Um, and I was like, yes, let's do something for single moms at Mother's Day. So we created a one night thing called Love You Mama. We went to our friends and our family and said, Would anybody be willing to donate gift cards for single moms? We're going to take care of the kids for the night and we're going to give moms the gift that I always wanted, which was just time, time for me. So we're going to take care of the kids. We're going to give each mom a little a gift. And um, so Love You Mama was born. And it was super successful. We had lots of moms, lots of kids, but something came alive inside me in a different way when I helped those moms. And I loved the prayer night and the prayer night definitely filled my heart. But this, this was different. So I continued doing the prayer night and we did love you mama again. And then I felt like I kind of hit a wall where I was like, these prayer nights are feeling like a lot of work. Like they're heavy for me. And it didn't used to be like that. It used to be that I would come away from the nights just feeling so full and alive. And I knew what I was doing and I knew that it was the right thing. And at the same time, more and more single moms started to come into my world, which again, you know, was just God really turning up the volume for me. And so they were starting to ask like, Hey, is there anything else out there for like just single moms? And I was like, well, I started looking and I couldn't really find anything. So I said, well, I'll do something. So the single mom resource course was born. I said, I'll put it together. I'll put it in the ad in the little city, you know, town newspaper, see if anybody comes. We had 10 single moms and one single dad, and they came week after week. And we just talked about things that would practically make life easier. Things that I found that made life easier for me. And then as a group, we would just talk about the things that were making life easier in a, in a particular area. And at the end of it, we did it for six weeks. It was so fun. Everyone was like, can we do this again? And, you know, we had all learned from each other. We had all grown a result of getting together once a week. And I had a friend that said, you know, this is really good. You're onto something here. We should 
try and write a grant. And I was like, what? Write a what? (laughs) She helped me write a grant and we got a little bit of funding to help build the program out. I got to bring in some actual subject matter experts as opposed to just like crowdsourcing uh, information. And um, the single mom resource course has been now a key offering, you know, since 2019 and we've never looked back. I just knew that at one point it felt like the one door was hard. The prayer night every month was starting to feel hard and this was feeling easy. And so, you know, one of my favorite verses is where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And sometimes when you're presented with two beautiful things, right? The prayer night was great. Working with the single moms was great, but one of them is where I felt the freedom. And I knew that this is where God was leading me. And he hasn't, you know, he hasn't stopped leading ever since. And we continue to have more and more women that we get to love and their children. And I know that I stopped doing the right thing, even though it was still a good thing to take on something that God had for me that was better. I love that you say that because often people are struggling with uh, what is my next right step? How do I move Mm. forward and bring in the idea of the listening prayer and that it's okay to have two good things, but what is giving you freedom is such a great measure as to how to either switch directions. Was there a part of you that mourned the, the shift from just the prayer night to now what's happening with this new adventure? Yeah, there was because it was different communities that I was serving. So the prayer night was, you know, was a wider demographic of people. We had, you know, young to old, we had men, we had women, and this was very narrow, right? This was a very narrow focus. This was just that one, that one piece that everybody had in common, which was being a single mom. So I did, yeah, I did more in the end of the one, but not too bad. You know, when you have something else to step into, that is just when you know, it's the right thing. And it is such a life giving part of your life. You just want to spend more time sewing into that. So short grieving process. (laughs) And then you moved on. (laughs) So what is it that you do? What can it uh, for single moms? How can they utilize it? Uh, You know, let's expand on, you know, exactly what it is that uh, you're able to do. So we believe that first of all, that community is so important that just being with other people that understand what your situation is like is, is extremely valuable. So we bring women, first of all, into really positive, healthy, beautiful community together where they can answer each other's questions. Um, we believe that everybody is in a position where they can mentor somebody and be mentored no matter mm-hmm. where you are. There's somebody further ahead on their journey and there's somebody that is just you know, taking steps that you've already taken. So we really believe in, you know, raising up leaders within our community and that every woman is a leader. So we bring health, we, we start with healthy community and then we bring in some, some programs. So we do a single mom support group every week. So every night, every Thursday night, we got a support group going right now. It's via zoom. So women all over can, can participate and we bring in speakers. And sometimes we just do like a girl gab night where it's just, let's get together and talk about our life and what's going on. And then we run the single mom resource course. And we also believe that in order for women to be able to move forward, that oftentimes we have to address the things that are holding us back and the areas of grief and loss that we need to process. So we work with um, a a psychological team that um, helps provide, you know, 
grief recovery for women or one-to-one psychological support if they need it. Um, so yeah, really helping women heal from the past so that they can move forward in their future. Incredible. I love it so much to imagine just sitting in class with you as we're learning about radio and television. And now you are impacting so many wonderful women and I'm sure dads too, in some cases, living that single life and what's our next step and and creating that community for them. So that's just, I'm so excited for you and for what you guys are doing. If someone wanted to be a part of this, how could they be involved? So you can jump on our website, cleocollective.ca. There's like our membership that you can sign up for. We also believe that, um, you know, like the word kaleo is to invite. So we also believe though, that we invite women into this beautiful, wonderful, healthy community, but we also invite others into support, right. To be that sort of wrap around, um, those champions that just say, just like my roommates did, right. Like you can do this. We see you, we care about you. Um, so we, you know, we invite everybody to participate and to be a part of our community in whatever way they can, you know, that might look like volunteering for our organization. It might look like donating financially to us. Um, you know, keeping us in your prayers, sharing things on social media. There's so many ways that you can be, that you can be involved. Um, If you're a mom who wants to get connected to us, definitely jump onto our website or, you know, message us through social media and we'll get you going through all of the processes and get you invited into the support group to come and check us out and see if we're a good fit for you. And then, um, you know, we have a great team that will, that will take it from there. I know you touched on the whammy moment of when you were younger and you were 16 and everything was topsy-turvy for you. Have you had any other whammy moments since then? Yeah. So actually starting Kaleo was another whammy moment. So um, one day I, you know, God speaks to me actually in a lot of pictures. So I spent a lot of time journaling, but, you know, oftentimes God will give me pictures and it doesn't happen very often for me that I will see, you know, what I guess I would consider like a vision where it's almost like a movie playing where I get to see something alive almost. Um, but God showed me this building and it was this glass square building and I could see inside of it and I could see all of this beautiful activity. And I didn't understand all the things that were taking place in the building, but I knew that there were single moms in there and that they were working together and that there was childcare for their kids. And there was a maternity home with pregnant women in it. And you know, it did take, I saw this vision and I just thought, wow, this is really cool. And I looked at the top of the building and it said Kaleo Collective. And it, it has taken years for God to give me more and more pieces of what actually is going on in that building that I saw. But when I saw it, I knew that I was a part of it. And I had a moment where I was just like, this is amazing. God, why me? Why would you pick me? You know, and I ask myself that all the time. I think my why me moment never ends. I think I have one every day. And thankfully I have more why me moments where I look at God and say, man, you are so good to me. You know, you've brought another, another person to like confirm something that I felt in my heart, or you brought this other situation to light sometimes good, sometimes painful. But at the end of the day, I always just say, thank you because I told God a long time ago that I wanted to be a lifelong learner. And one of the things that I have found through that process is when you say to God, I want to be a lifelong learner, he will say, 
<laughs> All right. Let's get to learning. So, you know, some of those things are really great and, and amazing. And I get to, you know, share the things that I've learned with, you know, the people in my sphere. Uh, and sometimes those, sometimes those learnings are more painful. And I just have to continually remind myself that God is always refining, always making better. And, and sometimes the thing that feels really painful today is saving you from something that would be devastating in the future. And I guess I always try and view those things as things that I might be able to share with other people too. So I guess I think of my life as as a bit of a social experiment. (laughs) I'm willing to be used by God in whatever manner he suggests. And so while Kaleo is, you know, so important to me and means so much to me, if God told me tomorrow that he had something else for me, I would hundred percent say, all right, let's go. And I know that it would always have that same through line of that passion within me that is about helping families and making those relationships stronger and families more sustainable. I know for certain that the work that I will do until the day that I die is that I will always be trying to help further that because that's the center of who God created me to be. And it, and it might look different at different points in my life. Kaleo Collective.ca, K-A-L-E-O Collective.ca. Lena, uh, thank you for being so vulnerable and being so authentic. My pleasure. I remember watching a lot of those shows on TV, Life as a Teen or Teen Mom or whatever it was. And I was yeah. just like, it just looks difficult. Now to do that 25 years ago just seems almost nearly impossible. Yeah, I know. It, it's one of those things where I can only imagine what it would have been like for her and for her family. And then now look at her and her journey mm. and what she's doing. It's incredible how God can take a situation that seems devastating and use it for his glory and to help so many other people. What I also appreciate is the fact that she was like, you know, so-and-so would come and take my kid and then somebody else would do it. And it, it, we, you say it all the time. It takes a village. And yeah. this literally was a village gathering around her and saying, let's try to help you out where we can. Yeah. And a great reminder that we need to support each other. It is so mm. important for mental health, for um, just stability. It's There's so many reasons why we have to stay and work together as, as community. Yeah. And again, uh, reach out if there's ways that you can help out and uh, you feel inspired by what uh, Elena had said. Love that. Uh, You can reach out to us as well on the socials, whether it's the Twitter or Facebook, maybe it's uh, Instagram. You can email us whymeproject.outlook.com plus all the places you can download. Yeah, absolutely. Or just go to faithstrongtoday.com. 